fourth of eight Beatitudes in a series out of Matthew's Gospel. Today, the Beatitude is found in 5-6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The word of the Lord. That's an old word, righteousness. There's a lot of words we no longer use, like telegraph. Nobody talks about that anymore. Or encyclopedias. Remember those? And somebody would come to your door and sell those things, and you would let them into your house, and they would stay there for days on end. (laughs) until you bought them. We don't use words like encyclopedia. We don't use the words payphones. You can't find one of those anywhere. Or Studebaker. (laughs) Ask your dad or mom what that is, and they'll ask their father what that is. (laughs) Studebaker. Righteousness is one of those old words. Jesus' listeners would have known that word because it was a big Old Testament word, righteousness. It's a Jewish word, but it's also a Muslim word. It's also a Hindu word. And now it's a Christian word. So the large religions, the big religions of the world share, we are different in so many things, but we share this word, righteousness. We've all got it in our books. Righteousness can be defined in a variety of ways, but all with the same theme. It means morally right or justified. It means acting in accord with divine law. It means the state of right standing with God, righteousness. It's about the right thing. We're in some extremely tense and controversial debates in our nation about what's right. What's right in the issue of immigration enforcement? What's the right thing to do in providing national health care for all people? What's the right thing to do in obtaining financial security for our nation's future? Those are big, big questions. And righteousness is a part of all of them. The question is, who or what determines What is right? Is it based on our laws? Is that what's right? Or is it based on the cost and the economics of the decision? Or is it based on the promises of a particular political party, either one of them? How do we get to what is right? 
and righteous. Sometimes it may help to know what something is not in order to know what it is. The biblical concept of righteousness is more than keeping the rules. Sometimes the rules can be wrong. This was true concerning slavery in our nation. Those laws were wrong. And battles were fought in this very city and in this commonwealth over those laws. The laws of were wrong denying women the right to vote. Those laws were wrong. And all the laws that denied civil rights for all people, they were wrong. So righteousness, the right thing, cannot be limited to legalism or simply keeping all the rules or the laws because in some cases, not all, the laws could be wrong. And nor can what is right be based solely on economics. Sometimes doing the right thing is actually costly. Don't we teach that to our children? Righteousness can be expensive. And it can require sacrifice on somebody's part. At the heart of our religion, the Christian religion, is a cross, not a Cadillac. A painful instrument of death. Sacrifice for what is right. Righteousness is inconvenient. I mean, a civil war was fought over this and 700,000 people lost their lives. It's inconvenient, it's messy, it's painful, it can be complicated, and it requires a deep-seated commitment to what is right. It's not always about cost. Nor can righteousness be limited to any one political party. All political parties in every nation likely have both a good, a bad, and an ugly dimension to them. All all parties. At some level, every political party wants to do the right thing. And they believe their angle is the right thing. And there are good people in every political party. And I know that's hard for some of you to hear. But every party is also tainted by sin, both parties. Paul writes in Romans, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. So a political party that happens to be the flavor of the day can't be the only definition for what is right. And righteousness, finally, cannot be self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is my definition of what is right, determined by me. This self-righteousness produces arrogance, sanctimoniousness, 
and people who are holier than thou. And I'll say this. Self-righteousness, Jesus argued against it more in the Gospels than any argument he had. Of all the things Jesus put a stake in the ground on, self-righteousness was number one. That should be noted. When we are self-righteous, we don't look like Jesus. I don't know what we do look like, but we don't look like him. There are likely some self-righteous people in politics, don't you think? But be careful (laughs) as you throw your stone because there are self-righteous people in religion. And politics and religion, which we say we're not supposed to talk about, and I've never figured that out, because both of these places, politics and religion, are the powerful places where people's lives are changed. We have to talk about them. Politics about policy. So it matters what policies we have to protect our citizens and our relationships with the world It matters. Religion is a place where people are justified and reconciled with God. It matters. So you, this is poor grammar, you can't not talk about religion and politics because they are two of the most powerful places that have impact on human life. Religion and politics need to have righteousness. The gospel, if you read it straight, calls for righteousness. And it's not political. It doesn't care what party you belong to. The gospel calls for righteousness. God's righteousness. And the gospel's righteousness is not about keeping the rules because Jesus was very angry with the Pharisees and thinking they kept all the rules, so therefore they're righteous. And he said, no, you're not. You're self-righteous. So it's not about rule-keeping. What are the Christian rules and let's keep them? That's not it. And it's not about the cost and it's not about the political party and the majority or it's not about my definition, my feeble-minded narrow definition of what is right. It's not our righteousness, the gospel says. It belongs to God. And that is the righteousness we must seek. Which is to say, it is joining God where God is at work, not only in the confines of a church. You can't limit this stuff to church. but also in the boundaries of a nation and within the community of the world that God so deeply loves. You remember John 3, 16, don't you? For God so loved the Presbyterians. (laughs) I misquote. For God so loved the world, the big, old, diverse, messy world. All of it. What is right in the eyes of God? 
I know that sounds like a pietistic question, and we don't often talk like that. But maybe we should. Who's defining what's right? What's right in the eyes of God on the issues of immigration, on health care, on women's rights, on affordable housing, on minimum wage, on education, on clean water, on prison reform, gun control, environmental issues, public transportation, and even taxes. Anything that affects another human being is an issue of righteousness because God's love includes every single human being. Oh, we can't lose this word. We can lose encyclopedia. We can't lose righteousness. People of faith cannot be disinterested in these things because they affect our neighbor. The separation of church and state, which was chiseled out right here uptown in our city. The separation of church and state did not silence the church or any religion. But in fact, it gave religion the freedom to speak truth to power. If you're owned by the state and the state taxes everybody and the state pays your bills and builds your houses of worship and pays for your clergy, you're not likely going to bite the hand that feeds you, are you? But Thomas Jefferson and all those around him were wise enough to know this religion thing needs to be free from the government so that it can speak. Freely. Every time somebody says to me, separation of church and state, get back in your corner. Don't be concerned about immigration and health care and women's rights and affordable housing and gun control and clean water and environmental issues. How can you not be concerned for these issues that affect your neighbor when the second greatest law in all the scriptures is to love your what? There's no way to disconnect from these issues. I wish we could. But we can't. See, it's not a conservative thing. And it's not a liberal thing. When we polarize ourselves too far in either one of those directions, we stop listening to each other. Liberals have something to say to us. So do conservatives. And the truth is somewhere between the two camps, I think. Because we're not looking to identify ourselves with a t-shirt that says, I'm a liberal and nothing else I say, you say, will make any difference to me. Nor do we wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a conservative and I only care about conservative things. No, I'd like to wear a t-shirt that says, what is right? And frankly, I wouldn't care whether that's liberal or whether it's conservative. The love of one neighbor, the love of one's neighbor is to stay, quote, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Jesus says this, you get it by wanting it. You get it by wanting what is right above everything else. You stay hungry for it. Not allowing laws or parties or self-interest or cost to replace it. 
It means nothing else will satisfy you until we all get it. Righteousness. And we all know these questions are being asked in our nation right now. These are the questions. Will we ever pull our nation back together again? Have we demonized one another to the point we can no longer listen and learn from each other? Have we created a, quote, political civil war where we are fighting blue and red, not with guns yet, but with words? Will we unite to do what is right? That's the question. Will we? See, we can't afford to lose this word. Telegraph, I don't need it. Payphone, got my own. Studebaker, I drive a Honda. Righteousness? No. We've got to cling to this word because we need it so desperately right now. Let us pray. God, in your mercy, impute your righteousness to we who cannot earn it or achieve it on our own. Raise us above the fray of human sin and error into right standing with you and with one another, not for the sake of any one nation, but for the sake of your kingdom, we pray. Amen.